7 a.m. on the West Coast. 10 a.m. on the East Coast of America. Good morning, America. How are you? It's 3 p.m. in London, 7.30 in Mumbai, India. Hazel Lisa has liked the stream. Thank you for the like. Thank you, Hazel. Appreciate it. It's uh, 7.30 in Mumbai, India, 11 p.m. in Kyoto, Japan. And in Malaysia, it's 1947. I'm the guy without the pants, Jay Sheldon. Welcome in. Hello, Facebook Live, YouTube, Twitch.tv, and Rumble.com. We are live on all four platforms. You may also be listening to a video rebroadcast. You can always catch all of our shows on Rumble.com, Facebook, YouTube also. Just be sure you follow or subscribe. Really appreciate it. Hitting the like button, like uh, Hazel just did, also helps a lot. But while you're here, please, whatever platform you're on, Rumble, just hit subscribe or follow. And uh, that really helps us a lot. Uh, There's a button down here somewhere that says follow or subscribe and YouTube is subscribe. I don't know about Rumble. I think is subscribe also. Anyway, and on the podcast, if you are so inclined, please do. We're getting hundreds of downloads on our podcast, and it's truly amazing. I don't know why. Just an old fart sitting here talking about crap he finds on the internet that is interesting, and occasionally making Maggie, which we we have here tonight. We're going to do that in just a bit. Um, but also, please do, if you if you have a chance, whether you get your podcast from Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, Radio Public, Geo7 in India, we're on most of the uh, podcast platforms. All you need to do is search for I'm Not Wearing Pants or Jay Sheldon. Look for this logo right there and uh, click follow or subscribe and away you go. Thank you for the hun- literally hundreds of you who've done that. It really, truly, it warms my heart. Amazing. All right. We're a bit laggy tonight, too, by the way. I noticed that. So uh, if we if we pause, just stand by. It'll refresh and it'll come back. Don't worry about that. All right. We got to get one piece of business out of the way before we get to our Maggie Mango. And it's this. Miko update. Yeah, the Miko update. Our little girl, our uh, amazing little Shiba Inu. Ichiko Mikoto, as we call her, uh, or Miko for short. Uh, She's doing really well. She's uh, having a great time, enjoying life. I got nothing big to report. We didn't do anything today, really. Uh, We took a couple of walks, of course, and uh, she had some fun. Uh, We've got uh, next door, uh, I live in a link house, which is just a bunch of houses all linked together. Duh. I live on an end one, so I've got a nice side yard and front yard for her to run around and stuff. Uh, but the one next to me is a homestay. And uh, there's all been all kinds of amazing people, most of them really great folks and very friendly. Uh, they all love Miko. And this group that's in right now is a an Indian family, and they are fascinated by Miko. They've been hanging out and calling her, and, hey, Miko, come, come, and petting her through the gate. I mean, they checked first to see if it was okay, which is really nice to do. But, uh, yeah, they've, they've made very fast friends. And, in fact, I had a chance to uh, make use of my temporary neighbors and my neighbor on the other side in my Mango Maggie tonight. We're going to talk about that in just a bit. So anyway, thanks for asking. Miko's doing great. And that's our uh, our Miko update for tonight. All right. In our last show, we did an article from World of Buzz. And I l- put the link way down at the bottom of our show links tonight in our show notes description. Uh, just in case this inspires you to check out the video. The article is about this woman from India who made Maggie, or in America, you might call it ramen noodles. And she used mango as the main flavoring ingredient. And a whole bunch of goofy netizens all went nuts and said, oh, that's disgusting, you shouldn't do that, it's gross. And I thought, you know what, if somebody wants to try something, then that's what it's all about. Life is about trying stuff. You got to try stuff. If you don't try, you never know. Even if in your mind you think, you never know. Maybe it's not great. Won't kill you likely, but 
you know, try stuff. So to that end, I said, you know what? There's no recipe in the article, but you can kind of follow along and see what this woman does, where how she makes the Maggie. And one of the things she did was use uh, masala seasoning. A masala is a spice. It's made up of a, a bunch of other spices, but it is, oh man, one of my favorite Indian spices. And if you've never had masala tea, oh boy, you don't know what you are missing. Masala tea is to die for. Uh, just absolutely incredible stuff. But get the real masala tea. Go to a, an Indian restaurant or something and, and order the masala tea from there because when done right, there is nothing better almost on earth than masala tea. Anyway, she used that. So I thought, okay, just mango might be a bit sweet, a little over the top, but with the masala mixed in. But I didn't know how I bought the masala spice. It's just a powdery spice, kind of brown. I should have brought the package up here. And I didn't know how to do it. So not in a you know racist way, but my temporary neighbors are Indian, and masala is a very Indian spice. So I asked them, I asked the auntie there, how you would use it to you know get the flavor. So she said, just give it a light fry and a little oil, and that will bring out the flavors. Don't be, be careful you don't burn it. So that was cool. And then the mango that I got, I got from my neighbor's tree. So my neighbor on both sides helped me put this mess together tonight. Uh, it's, a, it's cold because I actually made it just to be safe about a half an hour ago. So it, it's not warm anymore. But I've got, I got my chopsticks. <laughs> and if you look in the video, when she serves this, she does it in kind of a takeaway, a bunkus container. And then she puts a little extra mango juice on the side. So what I did, hold on, put my chopsticks down. I got to be careful I don't spill this. But I put some mango juice in my little Japanese bowl here. I figured I could try dipping the ramen in that. And then here, there you go. That is Maggie Me, which you folks in America might know as ramen noodles. And it's been cooked in uh, water, a ton of mango juice. This thing cost me a fortune. Mango juice ain't cheap. And a mango from my neighbor's tree. <laughs> and I can oh, I can smell the combination of mango and masala. I'm telling you. Now, people were making fun of this lady who did this. But if you think about it, we have something here called rojak. And you can get something called rojak mi, which has basically what looks like this Maggie Mee noodle, a Mee noodle, with rojak kind of means a mixture of a little bit of everything. And there's all kinds of stuff in rojak Mee. It's quite good. But anyway, this has got, yes, I do know how to use chopsticks, by the way. Not only that, I'm very good at it, and I'm left-handed. So he says as he drops the piece of mango, by the way, this mango is so sweet. It is amazing. But anyway, that's not the important part. The important part is this right here, the Maggie. Check it out. Oh, man. I wish this was Smell-O-Vision because it smells so nice. And hold on. I got to put the bowl down, and I'm going to grab my little, my little container of mango juice. Because like I said, this has been sitting for a little bit. So I'm going to do kind of a udon noodle thing and dip it in just to get some extra flavor. And stand by. Here comes the first taste test. Mmm. Hey. That's not bad. Not bad at all. It's not... It's not a heavy, heavy mango flavor. But definitely mango flavor. But you know what kicks it in the ass? Is the masala seasoning. I knew it was going to do that. That is, that is the perfect mix. Because the masala is, is a savory... This mango in particular that I got is quite sweet. And the mixture of the masala, masala cuts down the sweetness of the mango and balances it. I'm telling you, you netizens out there who were making fun of this Indian lady for making mango Maggie. Mistake. And then when you eat the piece of mango. Oh, man. This is cool. Wait, 
I know it's really rude to eat on, on TV, but I don't care because this is really good. So I'm just going to try one more mouthful. So bear with me. Mm. That is really good. And I am not just saying that. I'm really not just saying that. If it were crappy, I would tell you it was crappy. I'm all about being honest on this show. And if it sucked, I would say it sucked. It doesn't suck. It's really nice. I'm actually surprised because I thought the mango flavor would be like, yeah, too much, too heavy. It isn't. The masala mixed with the mango mixed with the Maggie. Mm. If I weren't doing a show right now, I'd have finished this whole bowl. But I can't because I got a show to do. Hey, try it. Check the video out. If you want to try the link, uh, again, it's all the way down in our show notes at the bottom just before all the promotional stuff happens. And you'll see the link to the video. Like I said, there's no recipe, but you almost don't need one. Just watch the video and watch this lady make it. You can figure it out. And uh, wow, I, I highly recommend that. It's really nice. It's almost like a dessert. Yeah, it's almost like a dessert. That's really good. Good stuff. Mm. We like that. All right. Just a little sip of coffee to wash down the Maggie. Mmm. <laughs> okay. Let's do it. We got a lot of stuff to talk about tonight. And some very cool stuff to talk about tonight. Including our first story. It's from techexplorers.com. The link is in our show notes. And this has fascinated me forever. This thing has been around for centuries. You've likely heard of it. It's the Wojcik manuscript. Codes, all kinds of strange ways of writing have been around since the dawn of time, since the dawn of writing, uh, cave paintings even. But military uses codes, countries use codes uh, to hide information. We sometimes use codes ourselves. But the Wojcik manuscript has been around for centuries. And just about every other piece of coded writing has been that can be deciphered has been, except this. There are tons of docos out there. You want to know more about the Wojcik manuscript? Check it out. Most of them have not been updated because this article just appeared... A few days of May 15th, so just uh, six days ago, and wow, the Wojcik manuscript code has been cracked by a Bristol academic, and what it reveals is even more amazing than the myths and the fantasies it has generated. There's a picture of some of the pages of the Wojcik manuscript. Uh, you, you need to know the background. This was discovered a long time ago in 1912, but it is actually from the 15th century. It's been a mystery, cult phenomenon. It's full of handwriting that is indecipherable until now. Uh, unknown language or code, uh, heavily illustrated with all kinds of strange, weird pictures Plants, uh, alien plants, naked women, strange objects, zodiac symbols, cryptographers, linguistics experts, computer programs even have tried to crack the code. None have succeeded until now. A, this is so amazing. A research associate, Dr. Gerard Cheshire, at the University of Bristol, has successfully cracked the code of the Wojcik manuscript. He took two weeks using a combination of lateral thinking and ingenuity to identify the language and the writing system of the famously inscrutable document. A recent study published in the Journal of Romance Studies, Cheshire describes how he successfully deciphered the manuscript's code and at the same time revealed the only known example of proto-romance language. He says... I experienced a series of eureka moments while deciphering the code, followed by a sense of disbelief 
and excitement when I realized the magnitude of the achievement, both in terms of its linguistic importance and also revelations about the origin and the content of the manuscript. Here's some more pages with the naked lady drawings. It's not X-rated stuff, so don't get excited. But anyway, uh, what it reveals is even more amazing than the myths and fantasies it's generated. For example, the manuscript was compiled by Dominican nuns as a source of reference for Maria of Castile, Queen of Aragon, who happened to have a great aunt to Catherine of Aragon. Article goes on. Please read it. Check it out. I'm not going to read the whole thing. We don't do that here. We just bring you these articles. We make a couple of comments, and then we let you check it out yourself. Links in our show notes. And uh, it's such a cool thing because this Wojciech manuscript has fascinated me, where it came from, what it said, what it meant. Read the article. You'll be amazed. It is absolutely incredible. Wow. Cool, cool stuff. All right. Speaking of cool stuff, (laughs) I'm looking at this Maggie mango and I want to eat some more. (laughs) I may give in to that to that urge. All right. Anyway, uh, you know, I I mentioned before that I came from Connecticut in the U.S. We have wildlife there, but I've always loved monkeys. And right now, for the last 20 years, uh, I have lived in a country where monkeys run wild. They are loose and around and occasionally will get one run through the neighborhood here. Not so often because it's a bit settled where I live, but there are some close by. And, uh, Not only monkeys, but I live in a land where tigers also exist. Sadly, not as many as there should be, and not as many as there used to be, because, well, a lot of reasons. We're cutting down their habitat, we're killing them, which is insanely stupid. But, every now and then, it happens. Where And likely thanks to the fact that they're losing food sources and their habitat. But this article appeared in a bunch of news outlets. I happen to pick the one to share with you from the New Straits Times. Police in Porhilat and Porhilatan are still looking for a tiger claimed to have been spotted in Huluklang. This is just a stock photo of a tiger in the wild, but that's what they look like, if you didn't know what our Malaysian tigers look like. The Wildlife and National Parks Department, which is what is known as Perhilitan, currently on the lookout for a tiger, reportedly sighted at Kamansa Heights today, which is around the uh, town city of Ampang. Uh, Ampang Police Chief Assistant Commissioner Mohammed Farouk Eshak said reports uh, police sought the assistance of Selangor uh, Wildlife Department following a viral WhatsApp message that claimed the sighting of a tiger. Police had already gone to the scene following the message. Initial investigation showed that residents in the area were aware of the claim, which was made by a security guard who said he saw a tiger near a lamp pole in Jalan Tropica, Kamensa uh, Tiga, Kamensa uh, Heights, which is again in the Ampang area. But uh, they arrived at 4 o'clock, attempted to track the tiger, but uh, information incomplete, and the wildlife team still at the scene, trying to see if they can't locate the tiger. Man, how cool is that? Well, sort of. If you live in the Ampang area, you might want to be a little careful, because, you know, tigers... <laughs> Anyway, yeah, the story's out there, and it's strange as hell. So uh, watch yourself if you are, if you're out in the Ampong area. How cool is that, huh? I live in a place where they have wild monkeys and tigers. That's just sorry. I'm just a fanboy when it comes to this kind of stuff. Aldwin Wong, hey, welcome into the stream, Aldwin. Um, I would like my future girlfriend to call me the nickname Tiger. Uh, why not? Uh, you remember, the, you, you're too young. I got a tiger by the tail. It's plain to see. Yeah. Anyway, uh, that, I, I don't even know 
who that was by, but it was ages ago. When I was a kid, my father used to sing that. All right, a cool story. It's from Hype, Malaysia, and it is about one of our superstars here in Malaysia, whom we sadly have not heard very much from lately. And I have a personal story uh, with regards to this woman, and uh, it's a great one. I will share that with you in just a bit. But uh, first of all, the link is in our show notes if you want to read up. And I am talking about Anita Sarawak. Some of you, even if you're not in Malaysia, maybe you've been to Vegas, seen one of her shows a a while ago. Anita Sarawak is an incredible talent. She is Malaysian. Uh, She spent a great part of her life in the U.S., however. Uh, She performed, lived in Las Vegas for quite a while. But uh, she has been very quiet, very silent, and uh, I don't want to say missing because, you know, we know where she is, but she hasn't made any appearances. She hasn't done any performing in quite a while. And um, Anita Sarawak breaks her silence about the rumors on her life. This article from uh, Hype Malaysia, and there is a link in our show notes. If you click on that, it will pop into this. And uh, there is this lovely woman. She is such an amazing talent and an incredible person. I'll tell you about that in a bit. But legendary singer-actress Anita Sarawak broke her silence once more. Her disappearance for the past 12 years has invoked displeasing rumors which saddened Anita and her family members in Malaysia. The songstress, famous for her hits like Asmara and Sexus, uh, contacted former entertainment journalist Shuib Taib and Rosalind Fadzil, friends of Anita herself. The brothers had the opportunity to talk to the singer and her husband, Mahathir, sometime in the early days of Eid of uh, this year. And there's an article here which includes some pictures and uh, all kinds of uh, information about Anita, what she's been up to, why the silence. And I just... I wanted to share a very quick story about my own personal uh, experience with Anita. I used to direct, uh, direct and executive produce a, a program. Uh, and you know what? Now that I'm talking about it, I'm trying to remember the name of the show. It was many, many years ago. It was hosted by Mickey Chong. And uh, I was the director. And it was like a celebrity interview show. We would have all kinds of great guests. Mickey knew everybody who was anybody, and she was somebody herself. And uh, and so we had the chance to meet and, and get to know some of the most amazing talents that Malaysia has to offer. And that and beyond, in fact, uh, Cindy Crawford was a guest on one of our shows. In fact, I saved Cindy Crawford's butt. I told her that story a few streams, long time ago in the stream. But anyway, yeah, Cindy Crawford was on our show. We had a lot of uh, big, big names, including this wonderful woman, Anita Sarawak. And uh, so we had her on the show. We did an interview. We met. We said hello. We got to know each other a little bit just in the few hours it took to shoot the segment. And then probably a year later, so we just spent a couple of hours together. That was it. And I was the director, but, you know, Mickey was the host. She was the big deal. I just sat in the back and directed the show. Uh, A year or so later, I went to the opening of some business downtown in Bukipintan, which is the big fashion glam-glam place back in the day. And uh, Anita and her husband were at this event. And I was also at the event. It was quite crowded. But Anita caught my eye from across the room. And she came running, well, not running, but she fast walked across the room, husband in tow, uh, Mahathir. And as soon as she got within earshot, she said, Jay, how nice to see you again. Now, look, I'm this little short, fat, matzaleh white guy that, you know, nobody pays a whole lot of attention to. But she not only remembered me, she remembered my name. And this woman meets thousands of people weekly probably if not monthly or daily and uh, the fact that she remembered my name and remembered the uh, the show that we did was just it's a, like i said it's a small thing but it meant so much to me uh that she actually would remember me and that was 
That's my that's my story with uh, Anita Sarawak, the wonderful woman, and I'm sticking to it. It was uh, it was great. It's such a pleasure to meet her, and it is good to read this article. Links in our show notes, and to know that uh, that she's doing well. Cool beans, very nice. All right, good luck, Anita. We miss you. <laughs> uh, what else we got here going on tonight? We're doing our kind of weird thing as far as uh, sharing the. The pages we've got, the links are in our uh, in our show notes. Oh, this is a quickie, but a cool one. You know, biospheres, where they enclose an area and they try and recreate nature and they put trees and animals and ground and dirt and, and you know, they try and make the whole ecosystem happen inside of a enclosed environment. <laughs> well, scientists were bewildered. There's a link in our show notes to this. It's just a one-page thing, but it's pretty cool. Scientists were bewildered when the trees they grew in a sealed biosphere kept falling over. Eventually, they figured out the biosphere didn't have any wind. Wind is what provides the stress that trees need to ensure they grow the roots strong enough to support themselves. That's a cool little thing called nature. <laughs> when they finally figured that out, I don't know how they solved the problem, but there you go. Couldn't figure out why the trees were falling over. Eventually figured out it's because in a biosphere, there's no wind. The trees don't have any stressors to make their roots grow and grab into the earth well. Just another one of those little things where all you got to do to learn about Mother Nature is just kind of watch. It's kind of like science. But, you know, science. <laughs> all right, what else we got going on here? We got one more story, then we're going to get to our uh, book. And um, let's see. It's, uh, where are you? Here we go. All right. We told you we try and share at least one good news story in every stream. Usually somebody doing some random act of kindness or, you know, helping out in some small way that they don't do it for the publicity. They do it because their heart's in the right place. Well, this guy's heart wasn't necessarily in the right place, but it's one of those when the one of those stories when the little guy finally does a gotcha to the big guys and it works really well. This is from uh, Sarcasm Society. Uh, the link's in our show notes. Again, it's just a little quick meme type thing. But a man named Dmitry Argarkov, I assume sounds like maybe he's Russian, he scammed, scanned a credit card agreement, edited the credit card agreement, and returned it back to the bank with a 0% interest rate and no limit in the new terms. So you know, the bank wanted to send him a credit card agreement. So he said, yeah, send it away. So he takes the PDF, edits it, so it says it's 0% interest and no limits to his credit. And he signed it and he sent it back. The bank, without reading it, also countersigned it, and a judge held the bank to it. Fact. <laughs> I love it! <laughs> you see, we all get told, read the terms and conditions, make sure you read these contracts, be sure you double-check everything before you sign anything. Well, guess what, banks? You ought to do the same thing. This guy sent it back. The bank signed it. They went after him when he tried to say, look, no limits and 0% interest. And they went to court. And the judge said, sorry, bank. You signed the agreement. Done deal. Deal stays. Love it. Love it. <laughs> yeah, the scammer gets scammed himself. That is exactly right. <laughs> oh, man. I love it when things come together. <laughs> it's amazing. All right. Uh, 
<laughs> wow. Hey, we did give some thought. I did get some comments. I got some uh, emails. No pants at jsheldon.com. If you want to email, send us a message about anything. And uh, you can also PM me on one of my social media accounts. I'm answer all the messages that we get and all the emails. And we do get quite a few. So thank you for that. Uh, I mentioned in our last show that we're considering messing with our brand. Our brand is I'm Not Wearing Pants. That's the name of this show with Jay Sheldon. Uh, but the whole idea behind that name was that we were all living through a pandemic. We were all doing our meetings and our work online. So we're sitting here like this and not probably wearing anything or pants or underwear, whatever the hell you want to, because nobody sees below this line. Uh, and so it made sense at the time. Now that we've kind of gone, the pandemic's over, everybody who's worried about it now is just a psychopath. So, you know, it's pretty much done. The funny bit behind that name of the show is kind of over. So we're thinking about maybe it's time to rename the show. <coughs> Excuse me. Like I said, I don't have a cough button. Um, and uh, I got some rather interesting suggestions, some of which I will not be sharing on this stream. <laughs> but uh, most people thought I should just call it the Jay Sheldon Show since it is just mostly me talking for 45 minutes to an hour. <laughs> but actually, that's not a bad idea. We're thinking about it. We're thinking about it. We might do it. If we're going to do it, we're going to do it very soon. So stand by. Jay Sheldon Fancy Pants. Yeah, I don't think... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe not, uh, Aldwin. <laughs> All right. Uh... Yeah, see, I'm getting a notice from YouTube that uh, not receiving enough video to maintain smooth streaming. Anyway, uh, I don't know what's going on. My internet here tonight is a little wonky, but uh, we'll get through it. All right, speaking of wonky, let's go over to our book. It's time for Sherlock Holmes. We read classic books on this show. <laughs> Jay Sheldon, Fancy Pants, huh? All right, and uh, we've done a ton of them. They're all available online, and if you are on Patreon.com and you help support the show, at a certain tier level, you'll get all of just the classic books separated by chapter, and you can read you can, like an audio book, basically. Yes, my face is still there, but you can just hear the audio and just hear the book part. You don't have to put up with all the first part of this show. Anyway, uh, that's available at Patreon.com slash J. Sheldon No Pants. Um, okay. Let's uh, let's head over to uh, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's The Adventures of Sherlock Holmes. We finished up the very first adventure, and we're moving into Adventure 2, The Red-Headed League. These are quite long, so we break them up into parts, and then we get uh, Osmion. Okay. Uh, got your chat. I don't know what that means, but maybe it's better I don't. Okay. Here we go. It's, uh, oh, hello, Merhaba. What language is that in? Merhaba. Merhaba means hello. Merhaba to you. Uh, and, and let me know what language that's in, because I've not heard that before. I know ways to say hello in a lot of, oh, in Turkish. So there's going to be a little roll on the R, maybe, like Merhaba, Merhaba. Something like that. All right, you're from Tur Hey, fantastic. It's great to have you along for the ride. Hello over there on Twitch. Uh, and a marhaba to you. Hey, I learned a new word today. Cool beans. Thank you. I learned Turkish. <laughs> All right, it's Sherlock Holmes, uh, adventure number two, The Red-Headed League. I'd called on my friend, Mr. Sherlock Holmes, one day in the autumn of last year and found him in deep conversation with a very stout, florid-faced, elderly gentleman with fiery red hair. With an apology for my intrusion, I was about to withdraw when Holmes pulled me abruptly into the room and closed the door behind me. You could not possibly have come at a better time, my dear Watson, he said cordially. I was afraid you were engaged. Oh, so I am, very much so. Uh, then I can wait in the next room. 
Oh, not at all. This gentleman, Mr. Wilson, has been my partner and helper in many of my most successful cases, and I've no doubt that he will be of the utmost use to me in yours also. The stout gentleman half rose from his chair and gave a bob of greeting with a quick little questioning glance from his small, fat, encircled eyes. My goodness. <laughs> that was Miko. Try the settee, said Holmes, collapsing into his armchair and pulling his fingertips together, as was his custom when in judicial moods. I know, my dear Watson, that you share my love of all that is bizarre, outside the conventions and humdrum routine of everyday life. You've shown your relish for it by the enthusiasm which has prompted you to chronicle, and, if you will excuse my saying so, somewhat to embellish so many of my little adventures. Stand by one minute, please. All right, sorry about that, folks. <laughs> the world is not falling apart. Everything seems to be okay, and I'll tell you that story another day. All right, so let's pick it back up again with the adventures of Sherlock Holmes. Try the settee, said Holmes, relapsing into his armchair and putting his fingertips together, as was his custom, where in judicial moods, I know, my dear Watson, that you share my love of all that is bizarre and outside uh, the conventions and humdrum routine of everyday life. You've shown your relish for it by the enthusiasm which has prompted you to chronicle and, if you will excuse my saying so, somewhat to embellish so many of my own little adventures. Oh, your cases have indeed been of great interest to me, I observed. You will remember that I remarked the other day, just before we went into the very simple problem presented by Miss Mary Sonderland, that for strange effects and ordinary combinations, we must go to life itself, which is always far more daring than any effort of the imagination. A proposition which I took the liberty of doubting. You did, Doctor, but nonetheless you must come round to my view, for otherwise I shall keep on piling fact upon fact on you, till your reason breaks down under them, and acknowledges me to be right. Now, Mr. Jabez Wilson here has been good enough to call upon me this morning, and to begin a narrative which promises to be one of the most singular which I have listened to for some time. You heard me remark that the strangest and most unique things are very often connected not with the larger, but with the smaller crimes. Occasionally, indeed, when there's room for doubt, whether any positive crime has been committed. As far as I've heard, it is impossible for me to say whether the present case is an instance of crime or not, but the course of events is certainly among the most singular I have ever listened to. Perhaps, Mr. Watson, you would have the great kindness to recommence your narrative. I ask you not merely because my friend Dr. Watson has not heard the opening part, but also because the peculiar nature of the story makes me anxious to have every possible detail from your lips. As a rule, when I've heard some slight indication of the course of events, I'm able to guide myself by the thousands of other similar cases which occur to my memory. In the present instance, I'm forced to admit that the facts are, to the best of my belief, unique. Well, the portly client puffed out his chest with an appearance of some little pride and pulled a dirty and wrinkled newspaper from the inside pocket of his greatcoat as he glanced down on the advertisement column. With his head thrust forward and the paper flattened out on his knee, I took a good look at the man and endeavored, after the fashion of my companion, to read the indications which might be present by his dress or appearance. I did not gain very much, however, but my, by my inspection, our visitor bore every mark of being an average, commonplace British tradesman. Obese, pompous, slow, he wore a rather baggy gray shepherd's check trousers, a not over-clean black frock coat unbuttoned in the front, and a drab waistcoat with a, waistcoat with a heavy, brassy Albert chain and a square-piece bit of metal dangling down as an ornament. A frayed top hat and a faded brown overcoat with a wrinkled velvet collar lay upon the chair beside him, 
Altogether, look as I would, there was nothing remarkable about the man save his blazing red hair and the expression of extreme chagrin and discontent upon his features. Sherlock Holmes' quick eye took in my occupation, and he shook his head with a smile as he noticed my questioning glances. Beyond the obvious fact that he has at some time done manual labor, that he does take snuff, he's a Freemason, he has been in China, and that he's done a considerable amount of writing lately, I can deduce nothing else. Mr. Jabez Wilson started up in his chair, with his forefinger upon the paper, but his eyes upon my companion. How, in the name of good fortune, did you know all that, Mr. Holmes? He asked. How did you know, for example that I did manual labor. It's as true as gospel, for I began as a ship's carpenter. Your hands, my dear sir, your right hand is quite a size larger than your left. You've worked with it, and the muscles are more developed. Well, the snuff, then, and Freemasonry? Oh, I won't insult your intelligence by telling you how I read that, especially as, rather against the strict rules of your order, you use an arc-and-compass breastpin. Ah, of course, I forgot that. But uh, the writing? What else can indicate that right cuff is so very shiny for five inches and the left one with the smooth patch near the elbow where you rested on the desk? Uh, well, but China? The fish you have tattooed immediately above your right wrist could only have been done in China. I have made a small study of tattoo marks and have even contributed to the literature on the subject. That trick of staining the fish's scale of a delicate pink is quite peculiar to China. When, in addition, I see a Chinese coin hanging from your watch chain, the matter becomes even more simple. Mr. Jabez Wilson laughed heartily. Well, I never said he. I thought at first you'd done something clever, but I see there was nothing in it after all. I begin to think, Watson, said Holmes, that I make a mistake in explaining. Omne ignotum pro magnifico, you know, and my poor little reputation, such as it is, will suffer shipwreck if I am so candid. Could you not find the advertisement, Mr. Wilson? Uh, yes, I have it now, he answered, with his thick red finger planted halfway down the column. Here it is. This is what began it all. You just read it for yourself, sir. I took the paper from him and read as follows. To the Red-Headed League, on account of the request of the late Ezekiah Hopkins of Lebanon, Pennsylvania, USA, there is now another vacancy which entitles a member of the League to a salary of four pound a week for purely nominal services. All red-headed men who are sound in body and mind and above the age of 21 years are eligible. Apply in person on Monday at 11 o'clock to Duncan Ross at the offices of the League, 7 Pope's Court, Fleet Street. What on? earth does this mean? I ejaculated, after I had twice read over the extraordinary announcement. Holmes chuckled, wiggled in his chair, as was his habit when in high spirits. It is a little off the beaten track, isn't it? said he. And now, Mr. Wilson, off you go, all scratch, and tell us all about yourself, your household, the effort which this advertisement has upon your fortunes. You will first make note a doctor, of the paper and the date. It is the morning chronicle of April 27th, 1890, just uh, two months ago. Very good. Now, Mr. Wilson? Well, it is just as I've been telling you, Mr. Sherlock Holmes, said Jabez Wilson, mopping his forehead. I have a small pawnbroker's business at Cogburg Street, near the city. Not a very large affair. Of late years, it's done more than just give me a living. I used to be able to keep two assistants, but now I keep only one, and I would have a job to pay him, but that he's willing to come for half wages so as to learn the business. 
And what is the name of this obliging youth? asked Sherlock Holmes. His name is Vincent Spaulding, and he's not such a a youth either. It's hard to say his age. I I should not wish a smarter assistant, Mr. Holmes. I know very well that he could better himself and earn twice what I'm able to give him. But after all, if he is satisfied, why should I put ideas in his head? Oh, why indeed. You seem most fortunate in having an employee who comes under the full market price. It is not a common experience among employers in this age. I don't know that your assistant is not as remarkable as your advertisement. Oh, he has his faults, too, said Mr. Wilson. Never was such a fellow for photography, snapping away with a camera when he ought to be improving his mind, and then diving down in the cellar like a rabbit into his hole to develop his pictures. That's his main fault, but on the whole... He's a good worker. There's no vice in him. He is still with you, I presume? Oh, yes, sir. He and a girl of fourteen who does a bit of simple cooking and keeps the place clean. That's all I have in the house, for I am a widower and never had any family. We live very quietly, sir, the three of us. We keep a roof over our heads and pay our debts if we do nothing more. The first thing that put us out was that advertisement. Spalding, he came down into the office just this day, eight weeks, with this very paper in his hand, and he says, I wish to the Lord, Mr. Wilson, that I was a red-headed man. Why that, I asks. Why, he says, here's another vacancy on the League of Red-Headed Men. It's worth quite a little fortune to any man who gets it. I understand there are more vacancies than there are men, so that the trustees are at their wits' end with what to do with the money. If my hair would only change color, here's a nice little crib all ready for me to step into. Why, what is it, then? I asked. You see, Mr. Holmes, I am a very stay-at-home man, and As my business came to me instead of my having to go to it, I was often weeks on end without putting my foot over the doormat. In that way, I didn't know much of what was going on outside, and I was always glad for a bit of news. Have you ever heard of the League of the Red-Headed Men, he asked, with his eyes open? Never. Why, I wonder at that, for you are eligible yourself for one of the vacancies. "'And what are they worth?' I asked. "'Oh, merely a couple of hundred a year, but the work is slight, "'and it need not interfere very much with one's other occupations. "'Well, if you can easily think, that made me prick up my ears, "'for the business has not been good over some years, "'and an extra couple of hundred would have been very handy.' "'Tell me about it,' said I. "'Well,' said he, showing me the advertisement, You can see for yourself the League has a vacancy, and there's the address where you should apply for particulars. As far as I can make out, the League is founded by an American millionaire, Ezekiel Hopkins, who has very peculiar ways. He himself was red-headed, and he had a great sympathy for all red-headed men. So when he died, it was found that he'd left his enormous fortune in the hands of trustees, with instructions to apply the interest to the providing of easy births to men whose hair is of that color. From all I hear, it is splendid pay and very little to do. Uh, But, said I, there would be millions of red-headed men who would apply. Oh, not so many as you might think, he answered. You see, it is really confined to Londoners and to grown men. This American had started from London when he was young, and he wanted to do the old town a good turn. Then again, I've heard it's no use your applying if your hair is light red or dark red or anything but real bright, blazing, fiery red. Now, if you cared to apply, Mr. Wilson, you would just walk in, but perhaps it would hardly be worth your while to put yourself out of the way for the sake of a few hundred pounds. Now, it is a fact, gentlemen, as you see for yourself, that my hair is of a full and rich tint, so that it seemed to me that 
If there was to be any competition in the matter, I stood as good a chance as any man has ever met. Vincent Spaulding seemed to know so much about it that I thought he might prove useful. So I just ordered him to put up the shutters for the day and to come right away with me. He was very willing to have a holiday. So we shut the business up and started off for the address that was given in the advertisement. I never hope to see such a sight as that again, Mr. Holmes. From north, south, east, and west, every man who had a shade of red in his hair had tramped into the city to answer the advertisement. Fleet Street was choked with red-headed folks. <laughs> and that is where we're going to leave our book off in the Red-Headed League adventure of uh, Sherlock Holmes. We will pick it up again on Monday night on our live stream. Thanks so much for watching and listening. I am going to go enjoy the rest of this Maggie Me because it's been sitting there staring me in the face and it's crying out for me to eat it. Uh, okay, before we go, one quick one. Aldwin says, Jay, I've just watched Sonic the Hedgehog 2, and I'll admit, it's better than the prequel. 7 out of 10. Really? By the way, did you play any arcade games when you were younger? When I was younger, I'm old enough that arcade games, when I was a kid kid, were literally pinball. But I mean real, live, practical pinball with the plunger and the actual steel ball that went around and the live flippers. I mean, it was a real pinball machine. Then I was around for the beginning of, was it Atari, Pong, boop, bloop, 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 that one, the very first video game where you move the thing back and forth. We've played that on this show way back in the early, early streams. Uh, made my way through uh, all kinds of Meridian 59, uh, What's the one with the uh, the shoot 'em up with the with the one of the original sh first person shooter games? Doom, Doom. That's it. We played Doom on the show before too. Um. So uh, yeah, I never got into Hedgehog really, Sonic the Hedgehog. But I understand the movie's pretty cool. The animation's amazing. Uh, that's one I probably would watch. And I'm glad to hear uh, that you thought it was a 7 out of 10. Very cool. But yeah, when I was a kid, uh, original arcade games back in the day, they were all practical games, not electronic. They were electrical because they had lights and buzzers and sounds. But uh, they were all practical games. And then, of course, Pong came around and Doom and 8-bit games and all the way up through the amazing stuff. I have lived through... The most incredible times when it comes to things like video games, the internet from, uh, you know, the back in the old days of, Mom, I'm on the net. Hang up the phone. Yeah, those were the days. <laughs> All right, I got to go. Thanks so much for uh, joining us for the show tonight. I will see you again on Monday night for another live stream. Uh, thanks for checking out our podcast, too, over there. You can find it on all your platforms. Please give us a like and subscribe or a follow on whatever uh, platform you find your, uh, your podcast. I'll see you again Monday. Until then, I'm the guy without the pants, Jay Sheldon. Good night. <laughs>